Thank you, William. Thank you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. This is the beginning, if you will, of it all. The first chapter of Matthew's Gospel begins with a genealogy. That's the history, the, 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 the lineage, if you will, of Jesus. And that genealogy is immediately followed by an account of his birth. Now, with the exception of that genealogy, the first words of the entire New Testament are found in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, if, you, if you've never read that, you, you, you have to read that for the very first time. You have to be astounded. What a remarkable beginning, if you will, to the account of Jesus' life. There is no doubt whatsoever that Jesus was a man. The listing of his genealogy is itself ample proof of that. He was descended from Abraham, and through Abraham's great descendant, King David. Forty-two generations are listed. Jesus was as human as you and I. He was fully man. And yet, if those words are true, as we obviously are to believe that they are, then something more needs to be said about him. Matthew is speaking of a man, but of a man born without the benefit of a human father. The male part in the conception of Jesus was taken over by the Holy Spirit of God. This is an absolutely miraculous event. This is a watershed event in the whole history of mankind. No one in the whole history of the human race was conceived in that way. Only one person. And yet here is Matthew. He's speaking of one who was as distinguished from us by the beginning of his earthly life as we know that he was also distinguished by the end of his earthly life. The question is, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? We, we sang a song earlier, and the hymn writer put it this way. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. Who is this? What child is this? Where do we to go to get an answer for that? What child is this? Are we to go to the theologians and ask them? They will not help us much. For many, many theologians disagree on the answer of who this is. Some have a divine Jesus. Some have merely a human one. 
Many speak of the myth of God incarnate. It's almost inconceivable, impossible, that the infinite creator God would take on flesh and come and live on this teeny little earth. It blows our mind. Shall we go to the Pharisees or the scribes of the Christmas story and ask them, who is this Jesus? Perhaps we should ask Herod. These are mere men. No better and perhaps less informed even than our theologians. To whom shall we go? To whom should we ask? Who has the answer to our question, who is this babe? Who is Jesus Christ? I suggest that we turn to those in the Christmas story. To those who appear for the express purpose of answering that question. Let's turn to the messengers who came. The first one, his name is Gabriel. Anybody ever heard of him? The angel Gabriel. The angel of God. Gabriel appears at least twice in the Christmas story. The first time he appears to announce the birth of John the Baptist to John's aged father, Zechariah, in Luke chapter 1. The second time he appears, he appears to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus, likewise in Luke chapter 1. It is the second announcement that bears on our question about this child. You see, for having appeared to Mary and having greeted her as the one highly favored of the Lord, the angel goes on to say in Luke chapter 1, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. What words? Each of those pronouncements must have been astounding, must have struck this young maid as absolutely remarkable, astounding. It was remarkable that her, her son, this son to be born, would be great, given the fact that she was of very, very humble, humble origins herself. It would be remarkable to her, astounding to her, that this son to be born to her would reign on the throne of David forever. You see, every Jew knew that God had promised King David that he would have an heir to reign on his throne forever. That had not yet happened. In Mary's day, the house of David had been cast down in Foreigners now rule the land, more particularly the Romans. If Gabriel was right in telling Mary that her son would reign on David's throne, the long waiting of the Jewish people was now over, and their Messiah was at hand. Mary's future child was that Messiah. 
all that was truly remarkable, all this was truly amazing. But those were not the most remarkable parts of Gabriel's greeting. The most astonishing thing was that the child was to be called Son of the Most High. Were it not for the context, a person might be inclined to take this in a minimal sense. That is, as speaking of one merely chosen by God to fulfill a specific task. That phrase was used of Israel in that day. In Psalm 82, verse 6, we read God speaking, saying, I said that you are God's, small g. You are all sons of the Most High. That, that phrase, that statement was used in reference to Israel itself. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 20, we read, Is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I delight? So from just a human perspective, that phrase described Israel. But it was also used to describe the kings of Israel, more particularly King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14, we read this, I will be his father and he will be my son. But in this case here, where he speaks to Mary, the context has, has much, much more to do with the conception of Mary's child and without a human father. You see, this child's father would be God himself, for he would be the son of the Most High. In other words, the child was to be God's offspring in a way that no other person, no other human being, either before or since, has been. If we had only the context of Gabriel's announcement to Mary, the promise would be remarkable enough. But that is not our only context. We have the whole Old Testament, amazingly. The whole Old Testament in which that very term, that very description, that very name is used. We think of Peter's confession of faith to Christ. Jesus had asked his disciples who they thought he was. And Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was no mere earthly sonship. For Jesus had indicated that Peter's insight was so remarkable that it had not come from Peter's own powers of observation, but by revelation from God. Jesus said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. By the illumination of God, Peter had perceived that Jesus was no mere man, but very God. He was God incarnate, God in the flesh. We find the fullest New Testament treatment of this in 1 John. The Christians to whom John would write had been shaken by teachers who claimed to be believers but were denying that Jesus was God in the flesh. They were troubled by these denials and John wrote to them to assure them that they, rather than the false teachers, were actually God's children. The false teachers he says, are of Antichrist, who always denies Christ's divinity. Let me read to you from 1 John chapter 4, 
verses 2 and 3, he said, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. John says, Christians, Christians can know that they are of God by their conviction that Jesus is indeed God's Son. John puts it in formula form when he says this. Again, from chapter 4, 1 John. He says, if anyone acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. He says, God is love. Whoever lives in in love lives in God, and God in him. Jesus is the Son of God, and that becomes the confession by which one can tell whether or not he or she is actually a Christian. By your confession, what do you believe? When Gabriel told Mary that the future child would be the Son of the Most High, he was saying that that child would be divine. But then we also have the angel appeared to Joseph. That's described in Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, we read this. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. The angel The angel, we're not given a name. It may have been Gabriel. We don't know. He's not named. He is described only as an angel who appears, and he appears to tell Joseph what's really happening, what he must do. And this revelation is similar to that revelation to Mary for the title Jesus, just as the title Son of God. Both have a general and human, as well as a specific and divine application. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. It means Jehovah saves. It is a testimony to the truth that salvation is of the Lord. As the prophet Jonah said, salvation comes from the Lord. It comes from no place else. Salvation comes from the Lord. This name 
Jesus was used by many, many people. In fact, Joshua, a variant of it, is the same name. But that cannot be the full meaning of the name. It's given to us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. For here the angel is explaining the virgin conception of Christ. In other words, the name is in part an explanation of what is actually happening. It is a case of God at work. Moreover, immediately after giving the child the name Jesus, meaning Jehovah saves, the angel goes on to say, in reference to that child, he will save his people from their sins. In other words, the angel is saying, he, the child, is Jehovah. And this revelation to Joseph is confirmed by Matthew. As Matthew continues the narration, for he says that it happened to fulfill what God had prophesied through Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means, as Matthew points out, God with us. If anyone should know whose, Mary, whose child this is, Certainly the angels should know, God's messengers. But there was a third angel. The third angel appeared to the shepherds as they were watching their sheep in the fields of Bethlehem. And again in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, the angel says to them, in verse 10, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Say that with me, that last part. He is who? Christ the Lord. This is one of the most significant texts, if you will, in the New Testament. And it's significant because for through a small grammatical detail, two words, two words, give the fullest possible testimony to Jesus' divinity. Two simple words. When the angel said to the shepherds that the child who had been born in Bethlehem was Christ the Lord, the Greek words read, and they do read, Christos Kyrios. And Christos Kyrios, both of those words have the same, in the Greek language, have the same ending. And they're both masculine. They're both in the nominative case. And this means that the words are simply just equivalent. If instead we had read Christos Kyrio, which is a very common way of writing, that is, with the first word in the nominative case and the second word in the genitive case, the phrase would now mean the Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ. This would be an appropriate way to refer to anyone anointed in a special task in Israel as God's prophet, God's priest, God's king. Example would be David. David would be the Lord's Christ, for example. But that is not what the phrase says in the text. Instead of reading the Lord's Christ, which it could easily say, we actually read Christ the Lord which means Christ who is the Lord. 
Remarkable two words in that angel's testimony. The sentence means that he who by this time now had already been born to Mary, he was not merely the anointed one of God, but was actually God, manifest in human form. Gabriel appeared to Mary and announced that the child was to be God's son. The angel who appeared to Joseph said that he would be Jehovah who saves. The angel who told the shepherds of Christ's birth called him the Lord. Three angels, three testimonies, and the testimonies agree that Jesus is God. There is one more person, one more person that I think we should ask about this matter, and that is the Father himself. We can imagine a case in which the the parentage of a child may be disputed and called into question. And so the logical thing would be to consult the parents, and more particularly the father. And finally, the, the question is put to the alleged father this way, very simply. Are you the father of this child? Jesus had been declared to be the unique child of God by three angelic announcements. And we're inclined to believe angels, though in such a case we might find the words of mere human beings questionable. But angels, not so. But what of the Father? What does he say? Does he acknowledge Jesus of Nazareth as his son? That direct word is not given in the Christmas story. Though everything in it may be said rightly to have come to us from him, Instead, we have to wait 30 years. 30 years until Jesus began his public ministry. After the events of those early days and those early years, which included the murder of the babies in Bethlehem, the flight to Egypt. When Jesus was finally brought back to Nazareth, where he lived in Joseph's home, presumably learned Joseph's trade, carpentry, He grew, Luke says, he grew to manhood in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. And one day he appeared at the Jordan River where his cousin John had been preaching and baptizing. He presented himself for baptism, which John was reluctant to do. John said, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus said, it was proper for him to do this since he had come to fulfill all righteousness. So John baptized Jesus. And as Jesus came up out of the water, at that moment, heaven was opened, we're told. The Spirit of God descended like a dove upon him, and a voice from heaven was heard saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. This is my Son. It was the voice of God. It was God's testimony, finally. The angels had announced this truth, and now the Father himself confirms it. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, and those of the greatest and most trustworthy character, Jesus' sonship is clearly established. 
Only one thing remains. Only one thing remains, not to seek for further witnesses. We have plenty of witnesses. But meekly to add our confession to God's own. Is this child of Christmas God's son? Is this child of Christmas God with us, Emmanuel? What's our confession? If that is our confession, let us acknowledge him as such. Let us worship him and show by the obedience of our lives that he is indeed who he is so clearly declared to be. Thomas did it. There was a time when Thomas was not certain of his confession. Early in Christ's ministry, when he had chosen his disciples and set out to preach the ways of the kingdom of God, Thomas had believed in Jesus. He would have echoed Peter's confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But things did not go as Thomas had expected. And the day came when Jesus was crucified. An outcome totally, totally unexpected by Thomas. His world was shattered. Three days later, when someone said to him that Jesus had been raised from the dead, Thomas, Thomas did not believe it. At this point in his life, Thomas would have given his creed in four words. Dead men don't rise. But Jesus had risen. Whether Thomas believed it or not, and the day came when Jesus appeared to Thomas himself. Jesus presented himself for examination. And Thomas, who a moment before had been an utter skeptic, fell down before him, confessing, my Lord and my God. That, beloved, is what you and I must do. We must confess Jesus to be God. And more than that, to be our God and our Lord as well. It's not enough that we look to him as Savior. We must look to him as Lord. He is Lord of all. This baby born 2,000 years ago, God in the flesh. We must say with that centurion present at the crucifixion, surely he was the Son of God. And like the Apostle Paul, we must acknowledge him as Lord. We must confess him as Thomas did when Thomas explained, my Lord and my God. Beloved, what child is this? who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. The hymn writer knew, the hymn writer knew, for the verse goes on, this, this, say it with me, is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing, this, this is Christ the King, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh. Come, peasant, 
king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings that loving hearts enthrone him. This, this is Christ the king. Shepherds guard and angels sing. This, this is Christ the king, the babe, the son of Mary. Would you bow your heads, please?